Our next song is going to be coming up on the screen in a second. One of my favorites, I'm a friend of God. God told Abraham, God considered Abraham his friend, and we are the heritage of Abraham. So whatever God said to him applies to us, amen? So we are friends of God. We can confide in him. We can trust him. We know that he always has our best good at heart and that he will never do anything to hurt us. So let's trust him today. I'm a friend of God.
opening song tonight. Please stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. It's time to just invite. The Holy Spirit's already here. We're just going to welcome him. We're going to acknowledge him tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of singing songs of praises to you. Thank you for being such a good God. Lord, we know your presence is already here. We ask, Lord, that you will manifest, manifest your presence, Lord, that we will know that we are in the presence of a mighty God. Bless our service today. Thank you for the saints that are here and for those that are on their way. Bring them safely. 
We give you honor, glory, and praise because you are the mighty God, a good God, a gracious God. In the name of your son, Jesus, oh God. Amen, 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 amen. Welcome tonight. Welcome. You know, I tell you, we've been trying to get everyone to kind of come on in the middle. I know sometimes it's a little hard to do, but it just kind of gets us all together, gets us united. And won't you just kind of get close together and shake somebody's hands and welcome them and tell them you're glad to see them today. We're going to move quickly. And as you do that, we're going to then get ready to prepare ourselves for our special music. Thank you so much for being so, so flexible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. And now we're going to have our special music to get our hearts ready, our song of meditation by Sister Sanford. After that, you will hear from our pastor this evening. song I'm going to share tonight is um, Through the Blood. It's an old Amen. Baptist hymn. And uh, pray as I sing, because it comes to the last Monday. I signed up for Mondays for special music, and today, for some reason, the last Monday, I wake up and there's something going on with my throat. I'm sneezing. I'm draining. I'm... So God is good, though. Amen. And my prayer is that um, the anointing will be on me as I sing this song and that someone will be blessed and changed as a result of this song through the blood. Just listen to the words. That's why I love this song. through 
and it's through the blood of Praise the Lord. Have you had a good Monday? Has the Lord blessed you? Amen. So you haven't had a good Monday. Yes, we do. But the Lord has blessed you. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter if it was a good one, as long as you sense the blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now tonight, uh, I have a lot of material that I want to present and we need to pray. There are, as we started off in Sabbath morning, um, indicating that there are a lot of things that's happening around us that we cannot see touch, we cannot smell it, we cannot in any of our senses, we can't discern it. The Bible tells us that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And I think that it is important for us to understand the very text that we started off with, and I guess this is the underlying theme the background, the bone of um, my presentation this week, that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. And we have to understand that it, it goes beyond us. As a people, my intention by God's grace and power is to wake us up to the reality and to see what is happening here. And so tonight, um, we're going to be dealing with a, a very hard topic, a hard theme. And if you look back, Sabbath morning, we started off with the a state of emergency. Um, we went into that experience coming out of Sodom, right? And last night, we, we dabbled into some, I would say, uncharted territory. And that was like the, the mountaintop experience in Matthew chapter 17. And if you realize what was happening on the mountain, God was setting his disciples up, but at the same time, Satan was busy in the valley. And we have to understand that even right now as we're in church, what is around us, this church, I would say it represents 
the light, a lighthouse shining into the, a dark water, dark area, and we're surrounded by darkness. And I believe that without this, the darkness will take over. And so it is a very important for us to pray. In fact, I'm asking you to bow your heads now as we pray. Father in heaven, this is your time. And we know that the devil is angry and he will even seek to retaliate. But Lord, over the next few days, we will be uncovering some serious things that's happening in the world today, even to the point where many churches, many preachers, teachers are wrapped up in a lot of the deception. We pray, Father, that you will help us even now as we open your words. May you open our mind and that your Holy Spirit will connect your word with our mind that would lead to conviction. Please, Lord, direct us. Hide me behind Calvary's cross and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Tonight's message, it is entitled, The Absolute Truth. The Absolute Truth. I heard this term a few years ago in my philosophy class, The Absolute Truth. And my professor stood up and he said something like this, The Absolute Truth is very much related to the one and only absolute being. Absolute being. Today, truth is under attack. What was perceived to be wrong in the past is considered right today. At least when you think of it, the actions, our actions, indicate it. And so we are in an age right now where a hundred years ago, you could not advertise on a billboard a lady, a lady's brazier. But now it is open. You see it on the internet, you see it on the billboards, you see it in the metro, you see it on the moving signs. You see it everywhere. What was considered wrong in the past is considered right today. Uh, long before, if someone committed adultery, they could be locked up for at least five years. But it's no big deal now. We scoff when a public official is, is caught and, and the way they're handled and so forth and it's smeared and all of that, but when it actually goes through the legal system, it's nothing. It's nothing. 
what is considered wrong back then, no big deal today. And so what we, are, we have gone through, what um, many philosophers have called it, we have gone through many paradigm shifts. And so we are in this age right now when we're in an age where we define if something is really, really good, even the slang words, we say, hey, that's really bad. Right? And so bad <laughs> becomes good. It is turned upside down. And so our psyche, we are brought into this arena where uh, we do not know what's good from wrong. Uh, we're in a time right now where um, weed and all these drugs and all these things are, are being legalized. Uh, we're in an age where even in hospital rooms they have a section just to make you laugh, anything goes. As long as it feels good, it's all right. Right, And so they have the laughter rooms in many of these hospitals. And there's nothing wrong with laughter. Uh, we understand that uh, it releases the T4 cells and that helps us, uh, you know, to, to heal faster. Uh, but there is no line drawn. And so this is the age that we find ourselves in. In the time of Jesus... Jesus came in in a particular, in a time where there was a cultural conflict. The, the Greek culture had basically pervaded the Middle East, and I would even say the entire world because it was a world-dominating force. And so Greek art, Greek poetry, music, and plays and all of these things had pervaded society. And the Greek was the, the, the ruling entity of the education system back then. And so if you were well-educated, chances are you spoke Greek and you were attuned to Greek art. But there was a conflict at that time because the Romans were now in power. And so you had a power struggle with the culture of the Greek and the, the military power of the Romans. And it was a turbulent society at that time. And for the Jews, they were caught between these cultures. And one apostle, one prophet emerged, knowing and being acquainted with all these cultures, was the apostle as we would say, Saul, or then later became Paul. And he knew well this culture. He spoke Latin perfectly. He spoke Hebrew perfectly. And he was able to converse in all these other different sub-languages, and he was well-educated in all of these arenas, whether Roman, whether in the Greek culture or the Hebrew culture, he was well-rounded. And uh, we know the story where God snatched, snatched him from the, the pit of hell, where he was an agent of Satan, crucifying, and terrorizing the Christians, God took this man, turned him around. And today, we know him to be the great 
Paul basically wrote most of the Old Test, the New Testament uh, books. We call them in theology the Pauline epistles. But when you think of this culture, and Paul represented one that came out of that. Uh, the, the Dr. Luke also represented someone that came out of that. Mark represented someone that came out of that system. These were well-educated individuals. And we see that Jesus came up in that very time. I say all of this to say that the challenges back then it started opening up certain things and certain schools of thoughts challenging the, the idea of a monotheistic God. And that basically started a thought that basically uh, snowballed all the way down to our time, the present time, to the point where we question the idea of a monotheistic God, of one God. We question this. And in some of our schools, you may, if you reflect back on that, you had to study Greek mythology. So who is the head, the top Greek God? His name is Zeus. You know it, right? Anyone that has gone to uh, grade five or so, you heard of Zeus. And who is the goddess of love? Huh? Aphrodite? Is it Aphrodite? And who is Diana then? Hmm? <laughs> I, now think of all of this, right? What I'm understanding, right? Uh, who is the god of war? Uh, Ares? <laughs> okay. This was not in my script, so you could school me on that. <laughs> but the idea behind it is that you're calling out these names, these gods. We're surrounded by the system. We're surrounded by this paganistic system. One of the main things that I could even point to to show you how we are surrounded by it, even just look at the days of the week. Right? We have Sunday, right? We have Sunday. And there was literally on that day, this was the venerable day of the sun. And the God on that day was Dimitri or, or Dimash uh, in, in, in French. That is what we say, Dimash is Sunday. And then Monday, the God of Monday, Monday represents what? Moon's Day, Monday, Moon's Day. And who is the God of Monday? Our God of Mar, our God of the, the moon. His name was, you go into the French again, and it's the God Lundi. His literal name was Lundi. And you go back in the ancient languages, the ancient belief, and you see all of these reflected, and it's in our society right now. We call these names, we invoke these names, right? But we don't know what, that we're doing it, but it's all a part of our system. And I'm just showing you certain things we may do innocently, but not knowing. 
We may invoke a name of a pagan god, but we don't know. Tuesday, Tuesday, that was the name of the god Tuesday, right? But the planet on that they worship or look to on Tuesday was March, um, Mars. We say in French, Mazi, right? And so that, and then Wednesday, the god Wednesday, you had, what, what is that in French? Yeah? Mercury's day. So the planet Mercury, but the god Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday is the god Thursday, and we say in French, what do we say uh, French on Thursday? Jeudi, Jupiter's day. Friday is what? It's the same god Friday, but what do we say called that planet on Friday? Uh, uh? Vendredi, which is Venus day. And then the last day of the week, Saturday. It's the god Saturday, and they celebrate or worship Saturn Day. Now, I, sh I tell you all of this to, to let you know there are things within our world, within our system right now that is, it, we are all just swirling around and we're invoking these names. And some people, we say just simple names, just like that. But there are individuals that every single day they worship. Like today, what is today? Monday. People turn around and they are worshiping the god Lunzi. They make, uh, they make sacrifices to the god Lunzi. And they worship the moon on this day. Just like they worship the sun on this day. This is why Many people don't understand all Sunday worshipers, anyone that is worshiping on that venerable day of the sun and taking that day only to be their day of worship. They are literally taking that time, that what the ancient Romans worship at that time, they are worshiping the, the sun and they're making homage to the sun. And just think of it. This is why when we talk about we hit the Sabbath and we say, you know, the God has given us a time for all people to come and worship before me, he says. And he has reserved that day. In Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us that this is the rest day. This is the time that God has reserved 24 hours for all flesh to come and worship before me. That doesn't mean that we're not worshiping every day. I worship God every day, but God has, he has charted out, carved out a time for God's people corporately to come and worship him. And that's why it's very important for us to understand this. And so as we are getting into this now, there is a system that has, that has uh, been in force from the beginning of time. From ever since there was a creation, Satan, he always has a counterfeit. He always had a different way. And so God basically created and in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, and he told them that this tree, you should not eat of it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. You should not eat from this tree. 
but Satan comes in a counterway and says, God is lying. He knows that if you eat from this tree, you will have all knowledge and you become like God. And so Satan creates a counterfeit. There's always a counterfeit in every age. And so what we have to understand, folks, the life that we're living right now, it is God's true intention for us to be focused up on him, the absolute being, the absolute truth. If we understand this absolute being and this absolute truth, we can never deviate from it. In the book of uh, John chapter 18, there was a challenge. There was a great challenge that was brought before um, this king, or so he thought he was a king. In John chapter 18, I'm just going to give you the context and get to my point here. And in John chapter 18, verse 33, we see that um, the man, Pilate, he, he came to Jesus and asked him a question, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered and said unto him in verse 34, uh, it says, do you say this thing of yourself or did others say it to you about me? Jesus was, I mean, Jesus was a master of turning the question around. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus just turned it around. Are you asking me yourself? Or are you just uh, asking because of what you heard others say? You know, masterful. And uh, Pilate, he turned around again and he says, well, am I a Jew? Right? Am I a Jew? He says, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? You see, Pilate did not understand that he was talking to the king of the universe. He didn't understand that he was talking to the one that spoke everything into existence. He didn't understand that he was talking to the true God of heaven and earth. He didn't understand that, you know, this was no mere man. This is indeed the king of kings and lord of lords. And Pilate is asking him, what have you done? Now, if Jesus had just said, okay, hold on a minute there. Let me show you what I have done. And he would have plugged his mind into the celestial creation and showing that Jesus stepped out into nothing and says, let there be light. And he stepped and said, let the earth bring forth trees and animals and all of these things. If Jesus had showed him what he had done, Pilate, he would have been brain damaged immediately. It would, he would have suffered from information overload, if you understand. And so he's asking this question, what have you done? In a sense, accusing Jesus, what have you done, you know, that you are brought to me? Uh, he think that he was greater. And check Jesus' answer to him. Jesus expanded. He just gave him a glimpse. And he answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. Right away, Pilate would have said, hold on a minute there. You know, Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not of this world. 
well, um, if your kingdom is not of this world, you know, that means, are you saying your kingdom is greater than mine? Well, <laughs> you know, come to the conclusion, Pilate. It says, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate then said to him, are you a king then? <laughs> now he was asking now, you notice what he did, right? He was asking, are you the king of the Jews, right? Then Jesus expanded and showed him in a conceptual way that his king is, is bigger than any kingdom that is in this world. Huh? And so he asked him then, are you a king then? Well, this is an appropriate question. Jesus answered and says, well, you said it that I am a king. To this end I was born. And for this cause I came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. The absolute truth, that is. The truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. How many of you are hearing the voice of God today? How many are truly hearing the voice of God today? You know, some of us don't want to be told the truth. Some of us, we are satisfied in lies. Tell me lies. How is my hair? Oh, your hair is beautiful. How is my, oh, you look marvelous. Some of us, we have been told lies from way back to the present that we're comfortable in lies. Your life is a lie. The whole system is a lie. And we are okay with it. Lies. We don't want to hear the truth. Some of us, we do not want to hear the truth. Because if truth be told, feel that, oh, we're being condemned. Tell the truth. Start telling the truth straight. And I guarantee you, your friendship circles. Think of it. And so, <laughs> everyone who hears, who is of the truth, hears Are you hearing the voice of God tonight? You may be on your living room couch watching on the internet. Are you hearing the voice of God? Or could it be that you're hearing another voice? You want to hear a voice that is comfortable. You want to hear a voice that will just tell you, hey, it's okay. Just continue in your sin. It's all right. It's all right. Just keep living the way you're living. You won't be destroyed. Hey, you know, you're going to have a second chance. 
there's some religions that's telling us that, hey, you know, this world is not going to be destroyed. You know, God is this, uh, at this second run when he comes back and you're not ready, <laughs> he's going to come back again and he's going to keep coming back until everyone is saved. False theology. Dangerous theology. And so people have lost their sense of urgency. People have lost the sense of truth. There is no, we cannot call sin by its right name anymore. As a, as a pastor, I, I cannot get up and say, listen, homosexuality, homosexuality is wrong. Living a lesbian lifestyle is wrong. I can't say that anymore, right? Uh, if I'm in Canada, it's, it's you know, they, they want you to have this nice facade, you know. We are, you know, we are inclusive. And so we, we have to have this, you know, swag in our, in, in our, in our conversation. We cannot come straight. Just think with me. This is where it's at right now. You have a movement that is taking place in this world, and it is called the ecumenical movement. Have you ever heard of it? The ecumenical movement, or what you will call in some of the evangelical churches, they call it churches uniting for Christ. Isn't that a nice word? Churches united. And so we find the common bonds where we unite together and we love Jesus. So we all come together and we sing our songs, Jesus love me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? And we enjoy the fellowship together. You know, you may believe and, and claim that the Bible speaks of the Sabbath, but, you know, don't bring that in here. Uh, you may not believe, you know, the state of the dead, that when someone dies, they don't go to purgatory or they don't hit, go to heaven or hell and all of these things. You don't have to bring that here. Just bring the common teachings. Lift up Jesus. And so we talk about Jesus, but we don't focus on the lifestyle of Jesus. We talk about Jesus, but we don't walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We talk about Jesus, but we don't order our lives in the way that Jesus says that we should live. And this is why you could have a man that is a leader in the church or a member in the church, right? And he could sing holy, holy, and do all of these nice things, but he goes home and beats his wife. And then he will have the audacity, Lord, thank you for this day. As I lay me down to rest, amen. Or you could have a woman, you know, she is a mother in Israel, and she comes, and she's a loving woman in church and all of that, but she goes home, and she cuts down her husband to her friends and, and gossips and do all manner of evil, and she comes and sings in the choir. Hypocrisy. 
having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And this is what we're seeing right now. Double standards. Double standards in the church. Young people seeing this and lapping it up and they become even worse than the next generation. One generation getting worse over and over, over and over, and where will this end? No wonder when Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith? Every single one hearing my voice tonight, examine yourself. Are you a true Christian or are you an imposter? Are you an imposter in the pews? Are we true? I prefer someone to say, the same person that you see, O'Neill is at home, is the same person in the church. Is the same person that you're gonna encounter in the shopping mall. I remember one day, I was a chaplain of the school, and I was driving to school, minding my whole own business. And I observed two cars coming up and fighting for position behind me. And they were driving, and they were just trying to get in front of one another. And it became clear that I was in the way. And so one had to bust over on the incoming traffic to take over, overtake, to win. And so he did that, and the other one was trapped behind me, and I was like in between, you know? And then as soon as there was a clearing, the guy in behind me just took off and went in front and cut the other guy off and got out of the car. And I was trapped behind them. And so I saw what was happening now, and these guys got out now, and they started arguing and scrapping and all of these things, and, and I was seriously mad. Now, these were two little bitty guys, right? So I figured, you know, I'm just, Lord, please. I felt like the Incredible Hulk, you know. So, you know, so I got out of the car, and I was just, my heart was beating. You know, and they involved me in this rage. I didn't want to be in this rage. I was driving to my job. And as I went out, and I was saying, please, you know, gentlemen, and, and I was trying to hold it. And I talked to them a bit, but they were too hot-headed. One of them just got mad, jumped in his car, and took off, right? And the other one eventually left. And I tried to be calm and so forth. And I drove, got in my car and drove to school. About two weeks later, I went to church. And there was this brother of mine, his name was Mark. He came and he says, you know, you are a true Christian. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, I observed, I heard this commotion outside my house. He was living in one of these buildings next door. And he heard this commotion and all this 
thing that was happening down there, screeching tires, and he opened up and he looked down and he saw me in the middle of this thing. Be careful. <laughs> There's always an eye watching you. And he says, I saw you so calmly walking over there and you were talking to these guys and, and trying to you know, help out the situation. He didn't see what was happening inside, you know. You know, he didn't see that incredible Hulk fighting to come out, right? But we, all he saw was that I spoke, you know, and then after calmly went in my car and drove off. And he was impressed. When he said that, I couldn't tell him the rest of the story. <laughs> but I felt good. I felt good. There are times people, they're watching you. They're seeing what you are made of. They're seeing if you stand up for the truth or not. And so when we think of all of this, getting back to our story here, we see that the Bible says everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. It is either today, tonight, you're sitting down in this church and you're willing to hear the truth. You're willing to hear the voice of God or not. It's one or the other. There are individuals that will leave here the same way they came in. Their heart is beating right now. God is watching. It tells us that the eyes of the Lord roams up and down in the earth. There is nothing hid from God. He knows your junk. He knows what's happening. He knows your willingness or your unwillingness. Pilate now in verse 38, and this is the, the, my pivot text. In verse 38, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And that question has re-echoed and echoed right throughout the centuries. Everyone is asking themselves, themselves the question, What is truth? What is it? Can you define truth? Some individuals, like Hitler, I am truth. Mussolini, I am truth. And I will show you I am truth. Well, they're in the grave today. Mohammed, I am truth. Are you truth? Huh? No. There's only one truth. <laughs> and that is embodied in God. Pilate did not know that the answer to his question was standing right before him. Jesus could have magnified himself and said, I am truth. And so he was asking this question, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out to the Jews and said to him, I find no fault in him. Of course, duh, there was no fault in him. Come on, right? And so, you know the rest of the story, Barabbas was released and so forth and all of that, but that question what is truth? This is where the topic comes from, the title comes from. What is truth? 
the truth has always been brought forth in every age. In every age, there was a truth. Now I preached about it. The people didn't listen. Thousands and thousands were destroyed. Eight was saved. What is truth? The message of truth has been preached in every single generation. And man and woman, they have always had an opportunity to, to accept it or reject it. To accept it is eternal life. To reject it is eternal damnation. There is a truth of this age. And I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 14. There's a truth of this age. And there's a challenge right now in our world. And I'm going to be showing you a little thing here and to whet your appetite to some of the things that's coming here. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. And it says, and I saw. This is John. Whenever John says that he saw, there is something to note. John always says, I saw or I heard, right? I saw and I heard. And so John saw this. He saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, underlying gospel. That is the truth. That's, that's the absolute truth. The everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, to every kindred, to every tongue and people. This is what John is seeing, right? And then he goes on, verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. We're going to be talking about that line, the hour of his judgment. This is from 1844. I will tell you more about that. Break that down on Sabbath. But the hour of God's judgment has come. And it says, worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and fountains of water. Who is that? Who is, who is this angel calling us to worship? I want you to think. Who is, who made, come on everybody, who made the heavens? Who made the earth? Who made the sea? Who made the fountains of water? It is God. And so he is calling a people back to the true worship of God. He is calling a people back to the true reform. The people needs to reform themselves. They need to understand that there is a God that created heaven and earth. It was not Buddha. It was not Muhammad. I remember I was preaching in a funeral. About 2,000 people. Media. People were strong and packed the building. And I got to my line. And I was saying that, you know, God, he's not Muhammad. You know, Muhammad did not create the world. He, he is, you know, and I went on to Buddha and Shiva and all of this, and I saw some Muslim brothers got up, and they were upset. They were mad. How dare you? I said, hey, listen, I'm preaching about the absolute truth. <laughs> 
And so when we think of it, this is the God that we are called. The first angel's message is calling us back to the true worship. In verse 8, verse 8, we see, and it says, there followed. So the first angel's message, that angel is preaching, and it's even being preached right now. The second angel, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen. Babylon is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. I know some of us, you're hearing this even for the first time. Some of you are hearing it for the second time. But in this text, it's telling us so much that is happening right now that you may not understand. And we're going to be breaking this down as we go. And it says Babylon. Babylon, if you remember Babylon, it, the root word for Babylon is Babel, right? Remember the Tower of Babel back in Genesis where they built it, that big tower? And what happened in that tower? Confusion. That's where all the languages came from. And everyone, Spanish and French and English, and they were all trying to, you know, Co communicate to build this tower and then that broke and they all had to separate confusion Babylon literally means confusion Babylon is falling is falling for emphasis that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication the whole world is intoxicated by Babylon Tonight in this place, listening online, in this house, there are individuals every day, they drink from the well of Babylon. They drink from the waters of confusion. And they're intoxicated by that. And they love it. And they cannot shake it. And the angel is telling, saying, listen, this is a falling thing. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Verse 9, it says, And a third angel followed them, saying, With a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hands, next, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture in the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the next, in the presence, the presence of the Lamb, right? And he shall, uh, yeah, in the presence of the Lamb. And so what we see here is three angels' messages. These are three messengers. Whenever you see angel in Bible prophecy in the context of Revelation and Daniel, angel means messenger. These are three final messages that is going through the world, and it's being preached right now. And there is a call for God's people right now for us to come out 
right, to come back to the true worship, for us to recognize that Babylon is identified, it is falling, and the angel is telling us that we should not be caught up in all of the hype. I want you to look at this symbol. And I'm just throwing, this is really a thesis here. Um, I want you to see this symbol. Look at this symbol. As we call it, the great seal of the United States. Now, I don't mean to offend anybody. I was not born in the United States. Neither was I born in Canada. I was born in Jamaica. And I'm not throwing stones. But I want you to understand that this seal has, is, represents a body that is ruling the entire world right now. And many of us, we're caught up in it. We're caught up either if you're in the music industry, the movie industry, the entertainment industry, these guys are behind it. And they're called the Illuminati's, right? In 1776, there was this man, and his name was Adam Weissoff. He created a dangerous society a dangerous society, and their aim was to take over the world by around the 2000s. And that was their aim, and they have concertedly made efforts in taking over economies. They took over the economy of the United States right at the first Great Depression. The first Great Depression, you know when that was, right? Around the 1929s, 30s, right? The Great Depression, they took over the entire, they, in fact, they bought up everything. The Federal Reserve note, as you see on the dollar bill, you're, you don't own your dollar. You don't own your money. It is a private entity of businessmen right across the world. Some of you might know this, but I want you to understand me, and I'm just going somewhere here to let you know that this system of rebellion started way back in the book of Genesis. It didn't just start in 1776. Their aim was to influence government, to influence system, religious bodies and everything, and they have infiltrated religion to the point that what a lot of religions, these mega churches, mega religions and all of that, they're all wrapped up in this. And so church, what we gotta understand, demons right now, they are the order of the day. They are ruling this world. They are ruling this world within all their systems and everything, business, all of the different entertainment industries and all of this, and we are caught up in a web. And as God's people, we got to understand, Jesus wants us to navigate through this mess. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so God doesn't want us to be fearful. Oh, well, you know, the whole matrix, the whole world is taken over, so there's no chance. Listen, Jesus stepped in many times and rescued his people. If he could rescue Hebrew boys out of a furnace where the entire world was worshiping in a false, what could he do for us? 
right? We are all trapped in this system, but thank God we have the power of prayer that nobody could censor. Nobody could cut this down. I want you to understand, we have a savior. Even in this messed up system, right, that we have right now that even caused another economics collapse, and we'll talk a little about this, that has tripped up the whole world, and we see banks all, this whole thing that we're in right now, it didn't just happen by chance, guys. You gotta understand, this system is, is a man-made system, but it's led by demon force. And so, what we see, if you look right across, actors, actresses, musicians, they're all wrapped up in this, and they even bear some of these very symbols. They have different signs, different signs, and all of these different things. They have, they have these different signs to show their solidarity to this movement. I want you to understand, we're living in a world where things are not as they seem. And you have to make a decided choice. Are you going to stand on God's side or on Satan's side? It's one or the other. There is no in-between. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, it tells us that any fence-sitters, and it's used the term lukewarm, right? Any lukewarm Christian that is straggling the, straddling the fence, he will spit them out. He will spit them out. Are you going to be spat out? You have to ask yourself the question tonight. God has called each and every one of us out of this confusion. The interesting thing, and I'm going to play the clip to you, and you, some of you that are savvy in YouTube, um, in, I believe it was 1989, the first George Bush, he got up before the, the United Nations, and he says, it is time for us to start a nouveau order seculum, a new world order. It is time for us to start a new world order. That was way back then. Can you imagine right now? The new world order has started, everyone. And the final, the final journey right now is upon us. We have a new pope. It's not by chance. All of these things, they're taking a decisive move and we're being shifted into an arena where there is going to be world domination and control. And we have to decide where we stand. Now I could go into all of the witchcraft symbols, the 13 levels and all of these things. I, I used to spend time drinking this up years ago, preaching. I had whole series on this, right? But I want you to understand, back then, that was a theory, but over the years, I've seen this to be fact. 
it is not no hypothesis or theory. This is a fact right now, and we need to decide where we stand. God is calling us, everyone. And when we consider truth, the book of John chapter 17, verse 17, tells us, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so I'm so happy because in spite of all of this that we see, in spite of all the confusion that is happening in the world in all of that's taking place, the word of God stands firm. Amen. And this is where we need to have our anchor, in the word of God. Amen. And that's what I want you to leave here. I want you if anything, I would like to incite fear in you that you will go back and study your word like you've never studied it before. That you'll get on your knees and start bawling and praying to God, God, give me a solution like you have never done before. This is what I want to have. I want you to go home and say, call your friends and say, come to church tomorrow. The word of God is going to be preached. This is what I want you, I want this to happen. There needs to be a decisive revival within the church of God. And so, we are asked and we're challenged to be sanctified. In John chapter 8, my final text, verse 32, it says, and if you know the truth, the truth will make you that's all you need to know, everyone. If you want to be free from this confusion, know your word. Know it. Because there will come a time when it will be taken from you, and if you don't know it, you cannot speak it. If you don't know it, you cannot live it. Know your word. challenging you young man young woman everyone let's know our word Amen. it's very important for us to understand that song or poem that I memorized a few years back too long we stand and waited for things which do not come too long we have expected our battles to be won and we never lifted a finger for the name of Jesus Christ and the time is now we knew this final crisis will someday soon begin with tempting pleasures outside and tempting from within but we never lifted a finger for the name of Jesus Christ and the time is where will you stand? When that last appeal is made, what will you say? Will you be found standing? Or will you be found wanting? What would you say tonight? If that appeal is made tonight, right now, at this moment, at this moment, Will you be standing? Will you be standing?
the appeal is being made right now. The Bible tells us, if you hear my voice, remember that voice, right? The voice, the voice of God, the voice of truth. If you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Is your heart hardened? Are your hearts hardened tonight? If you hear my voice, do not, do not harden your heart. And so the appeal is being made right now. And Christ, he's asking, where will you stand on that great day? Will you be standing? your life and maybe thinking oh no I can't do this now because I, I have so much too much to lose will you spend one more day in Sodom one more day in Babylon and lose your soul or will you surrender your life today and so the call is made how many of us on that day plan to stand? If this is your desire, I'm asking you to stand with me. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have heard the voice of God today, and you have heard the truth of God today from his word. And you want to make a decision. A decision for Christ. To say, listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds the future. And you want to say tonight, I want to surrender my life to Christ today. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you have been through, where you have gone. You may have turned your back on God and you need to come back home. But you want to say tonight, no devil is going to hold me down. No devil is going to tie me down. I want to accept you, Lord as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm asking you simply, just slip your hand up. Lift your hand tonight. Surrender to Christ. He's waiting. Praise God. He's waiting for you to surrender your life. There needs to be a renewal.